Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Nympha Alumni. I'm Biz, and I'm with Alexi and Sam. If you guys want to introduce yourselves, we're just going to make sure you guys all know what our voices sound like, because we had a couple of requests um, for listeners who weren't totally sure who was who. So good time to <laughs> reintroduce ourselves on almost the eve of our second year anniversary. Oh, my God. Ah! That's so cute. Okay, um, I'm Alexi. This is my voice. <laughs> I'm Sam, uh, and this is my voice. I don't really know how to describe the dis- how to distinguish our voices or, or give anybody tips. I would just say we're gonna work on like referring to each other by name. Um, <laughs> and if you listen enough, and if you subscribe to our Patreon and get even more episodes, you might learn how to distinguish them without even trying so that's what we yeah. recommend i feel like sam you're distinguished i yeah. from what i've heard biz and i are really hard to tell apart <laughs> one and the same yeah well because we're from the same place we both have like yeah. lower voices I'm, I'm flattered by that um comparison though i think you it's have a beautiful. beautiful voice biz oh thank you you do too <laughs> so without without further ado Saying thank you so much to everyone who subscribed to our Patreon. Um, we launched last week and it's just been so amazing seeing everyone join the Discord and talking with you guys. And I think it was just such an amazing moment for all of us. Yeah, it's been like really touching. You guys are, I was really shocked. I mean, I, I already suspected that our fans were extremely smart and really cool, but I'm, I've been really impressed by everybody's um intellectual abilities in the discord you guys are really really intelligent and really really funny actually giving ancient roman roman forum in there it's like so the level of genius conversation like i'm obsessed with that it's really awesome i know it's definitely like an amazing example of how to communicate on the internet like yeah the language level is so high it reminds me of that meme of like the little boy who's like typing on his computer and asking a question. There are all those like buff guys who are like replying to him. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. yeah. That's very much what it is, but like girl version. <laughs> yeah, it's really cute. Well, we had a request by one user, Brianna, and it, this isn't necessarily exactly what she requested. We're going to probably make something more aligned with her request later in the summer, but inspired by a conversation that took place in our discord the potentiality of us doing something bimbo related. And there is a lot of conversation in the Discord about bimbos this week. And it was really interesting, really inspiring. And we decided to switch up our episode that we had planned in order to kind of accommodate to that because it really got us thinking about some of the things that we had already discussed in previous episodes and some things that we talk about personally. So this week we are kind of inspired by the Pamela Anderson documentary and covering a topic we've coined spiritual bimboism and actually what's interesting is we've talked about this before and we're like in the seo results of spiritual bimbo if you like google it we'll come up (laughs) yeah because we put it in like a description a long time ago like talking about spiritual bimbos and if you google it we're in the seo results so i guess we are the top experts on this subject so <laughs> all that happened when i looked it up was this like i ran into this only fans girl who like calls herself spiritual bimbo yeah so, i saw her too yeah. un- unrelated to her <laughs> <laughs> that's not us yeah i guess did you guys watch the pamela anderson documentary yes i literally just watched it and nice. it was like so well made mm-hmm. but i think she's just one of the it, it has to do with her being the type of person which will kind of be like her first point maybe that 
she seems to like obsessively document her life like she just has so much home video and she's like written diaries since she was a kid and yeah like her level of introspection really allowed for a lot of um insight into her life most of which was pretty sad but it was like a beautifully done portrait I don't know I'd never really seen a documentary that was (laughs) so like I don't know the narrative was really well crafted it's true yeah like what I was really impressed with is I came in with pretty much zero expectations, almost kind of low expectations, just because it's a viral Netflix documentary. (laughs) And every time I visit those and try to like watch them, they're never that good, but this was actually very watchable. And Pam Anderson is unsurprisingly very charming in it, you know, but also I think it was really interesting to kind of see how her life has unfolded in the public because she's had so many iterations of her career and it's kind of hard to pin her down. She's not really an actress. She's not really a model. She's kind of just a sex symbol and operates as such. And um, we were kind of thinking about her activism, which the documentary tragically did not talk a lot about her like political affiliations or her political kind of involvement as much as I wish it had. Yeah, It it did, but I feel like it, it could have been a lot more. Yeah. Like, Because it's like such a bizarre story. And I feel like a lot of people have forgotten some of the plot lines in that. Like whenever she uh, famously turned Jim Carrey into like an anti-vaxxer in the 2010s and was kind of like claiming that vaccines cause autism or something of that sort. Were they dating during that time? Yeah, they were dating. Yeah. And that was like kind of the first wave of anti-vax discourse, totally unrelated to COVID. But she's kind of crunchy. And we're talking about crunchy bimbos today. Yeah, I mean, this topic is tied to nostalgia, I think, for some of us, because I wouldn't describe my mom as a bimbo, but I do think there was a genre of women like in the late 90s and 2000s that were going through some kind of soft spiritual awakening, but they were also very heavily objectified. And for some reason, those two things often went hand in hand. Um, so I guess that's like the core of our discussion. But yeah, I'm glad that you said, Sam, that she's like not really a model, not really an actress. Like she is kind of just like a public figure who was just like a famous person. Um, and I think that's what sets her apart from like tragic bimbos like Marilyn Monroe, because Marilyn was really obsessed with people taking her seriously as an actress. But I think mm-hmm. Pamela never really wanted anyone to take her seriously. And she kind of knew that that would never happen based on how her career started as like, a commercial model and a playboy model so i think she just was like i just needed the platform <laughs> like and she just did with that platform what she could yeah i guess she also t- talks about that i haven't seen the documentary but i've seen some clips from it and she says like even though people exploited her throughout her career like no one could ever take pamela away from pamela mm-hmm. which i think definitely leans into that idea that like her value her her understanding of her own value wasn't in her career fully right yeah on that point I thought one of my takeaways from this which is really interesting and it relates to kind of to like no one could take away Pamela from Pamela I think like no one can do that except for herself like she she obviously it's not hard to see that she has like some self-destructive tendencies especially in her romantic life she has made like really chaotic decisions throughout her life she'd probably be like the first to admit that but One thing that I noticed, which I thought was interesting, is that she kept kind of repeating her 
own naivete like she kept kind of like playing it up a little bit and as much as I think that she maybe was a little bit naive at her beginning of her career she's a lot smarter than I think she's giving herself credit for or maybe she lets on to be and it kind of informed some of the things I think about bimboism because I think it kind of does exist at this like intersection of innocence and sexuality which I think is a power play as we had talked about in the internet girl physiognomy episode when we were talking about Bella Porch and her career, there was like that girl boss, girl baby dynamic, which is an ideal space for women to exert their like feminine power, I guess, because you have the plausible deniability of your naivete and you have like the sexuality that will like psychologically kind of move things in your favor. And I thought that was like kind of interesting and, you know, not to sound like, I don't know if that sounds weird, me saying that, um, or like misogynistic. I don't want it to sound that way. I just thought it was interesting. I think that makes sense. With with her self-destruction, I feel like it's a common bimbo narrative for there to be like an oscillation of periods of helplessness slash codependency slash self-destruction versus like self-preservation and spirituality and introspection. And that kind of seems to happen a lot throughout the course of her life. Um, she's like the first to admit that she has an attraction to bad boys she also says that she's addicted to love she's been married a bunch of times she was like just kind of a hippie romantic as she said and Trisha Paytas is the same way actually (laughs) like I've read all of Trisha Paytas's books which like many people don't know that she's a published (laughs) author of her own autobiographies and her diaries but the parallels are really striking um so yeah, just like these, the epic highs and lows of of being a bimbo. Yeah, fascinating. I guess being a bimbo, you're in some way already attracted to like physical extremes, mm-hmm. based off how you choose to model your body and your appearance. So I guess like that is also mirrored in the personal life to a certain extent. So then you have to find like your calm waters with your spiritual relationship with the like utmost high, etc. Yeah, wait, that actually reminds me of Trisha. Like, she has found her, like, fantasy love story with this um, Israeli guy who's, like, a water healer. And he makes these really trippy, like, new agey videos about how everything is water and how he identifies as water. And, but he's still, like, so, maybe because he is water, he's, like, so down for all of her antics and, like, thinks that she can do no wrong and is, like, so rider die for her so i wish all bimbos like (laughs) an enabling relationship like that we should mention right now that like this is also a very topical issue because there has been like a great fracture in the spiritual bimbo universe with machine gun kelly and megan fox allegedly breaking up and megan fox having a pretty kind of public reaction to the breakup on her instagram account yeah and i feel like he is like the opposite of moses yeah what's interesting about that and i kind of expected it not to last very long because there's just like an age difference there that didn't make a lot of sense not just in terms of numerical age but also seems like different maturity levels because megan is like a mom and divorced and machine gun kelly is like a eternal mall teenager you know so it just didn't really make a lot of sense to me but i think What's interesting, I think, for the bimbo that is in love with the bad boy, I think it has a lot to do with the same thing of, like, relinquishing control of your own destiny over to, like, the chaotic forces of fate and love 
you know, it's like if you create enough chaos in your life, you won't have to take a lot of responsibility for it, um, which is, I think, also kind of contributes to the abstract spiritualism of the bimbo, right? Like the spiritual bimbo. I guess this isn't applicable to like every single spiritual bimbo, but like I think there is kind of this mentality of spiritualism that relinquishes agency, like Jesus take the wheel for women who've been rejected by Christianity for their like promiscuity. And by adopting kind of like an abstract spirituality, you can rest assured that the universe is working to manifest your desires while not having to be accountable to the rules and regulations of an organized religion. Mm -hmm. And I think that does like that sort of relinquishment of control in romance or in spirituality or in naivete, kind of like pretending to be a little bit more naive than you actually are. I think it's like really central to that identity or at least the the stereotype of it, you know? Yeah, for sure. I do wonder when you're talking about the relinquishing of power and the bad boy relationship being attractive to the bimbo, I'm like, that's that's so true. But then obviously there has to be some sort of like control and power because allegedly Machine Gun Kelly cheated on Megan Fox, which is like... <laughs> I guess, just like a true violation of control in a relationship. Yeah. What do you guys think about their unfolding? I think, I don't know. I'm kind of scared to speak on it because, you know, in that picture that she posted with like this dramatic caption from um, Beyonce's song, she's like standing in front of a domestic violence poster. And like in all these interviews lately, like she's always having a concussion and stuff. So I feel like she might actually be going through something kind of dark, but also... Her, like, Instagram follower thing where she's, like, only following Harry Styles and Timothy Chalamet and Eminem, who's, like, allegedly her celebrity crush. That just seems like it adds such an element of immaturity to it that it's hard to take seriously. But I think that, um, you know, Pamela Anderson in her documentary talks about this relationship with Tommy Lee. And their relationship is so iconic just on, like, a visual level and, like, the kind of vibe that they had of just, like, raw sex appeal and, like, always being on drugs and just, like being so publicly sexual it also is reminiscent of like angelina's relationship with um billy bob yeah like double names that are just like fake <laughs> yeah just like looking at each other's faces and all this stuff but she says that or pamela says that like in her relationship tommy lee was just like super controlling and i think that this is a conversation that keeps being brought up just like on twitter just like in relationship discourse that like you know you can't like have a bad bitch and like expect other men to like I don't know like being super jealous like you have to be prepared to manage that if you're with like a woman who embodies the beauty standard I think with social media that's even more exacerbated this is true I feel like it's like average male podcast discourse being like your girlfriend (laughs) should not be posting photos like things like that but it's it's been in the ether for a while so I don't know it seems like something dark is going on with that relationship also her like wedding ring that she like physically can't take off like someone needs to get into that with like a chainsaw oh my god yeah no that that's actually really sad to hear that um there's potential domestic violence in there it is yeah that makes me more uh that gives me more trepidation to speak on the the actual relationship because I'd like to see how that unfolds but um, maybe they're attracted to bad boys because they think that like to be a bad boy, you have the confidence to date somebody that's like a bad bitch, you know? And like, I think it really does take a lot of confidence and trust in your own swag and riz Yeah, that like you can like secure your woman and no matter what, like you're always going to be like, 
the rizziest guy that is available to her, you know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The rizziest man that ever was. Um, But yeah, I think a lot of times, obviously, a lot of people who put on this sort of like bad boy or um, hard exterior do have, it's kind of like a coping mechanism for insecurity or for kind of inner pain. Yeah. The guy who often is is risly enough to pull bimbo, like that delusional level of confidence or just like emotional intensity often is like a double-edged sword so I think that's yeah that's yeah. what I learned from Pamela's documentaries like if someone loves hard like they're also gonna you know fight for you they're gonna fight you like mm-hmm. I mean I think the spiritualism came in pretty more pretty intensely after her relationship with Tommy Lee maybe just she expressed it more publicly or she always felt this way but like I think what's funny is like the Trisha Paytas connection is that like the rizziest guy that can hold down a a girl that's kind of like a sex symbol is going to be kind of a guy that has like a delusional spiritualism that Mm -hmm. just like trusts in the manifestation and abundance of the universe to like hold down their woman, you know, and not like some crazy biker dude or a rock star. So I think that does make like the Moses Trisha relationship perfect. Yeah. Cause he's like a little bit, he's definitely delusional, but in a positive way, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. You gotta be her piece. <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah. His, his delusions are so like metaphysical or something or like physical and hers are so personal. Yeah. Yeah. So they like weigh each other out because of their scope being so different. Yeah. It feels like he's kind of devoid of lore and he's just kind of like <laughs> shut up I don't know like whereas her lore is so rich that I think she has enough for the both of them yeah he gives a little empty vessel vibes but I think that's just because he doesn't have a very he's like soft-spoken and doesn't have a very strong internet presence and in my head he's just kind of like a smiling face that doesn't speak or something <laughs> the way she their maternity photo shoot was lost themed and he had just had he just went with it like it was really funny yeah, that brilliant. He was also like, yes, you can name our firstborn child Malibu Barbie. <laughs> He's probably like, I love the beach at Malibu. It's like the water there. Is so nice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah, the water. Yeah. They're synchronized. They're in synchronicity. They are. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. What I want to talk about to get um, a bit lighter and more fashion-y is um, Pamela Anderson's image and the development of the visual of the bimbo like while I was watching this documentary just like seeing all of her playboy shoots and her in Baywatch this beauty ideal seems so distant to me now I don't know it's just so like athletic and then also her like huge fake boobs it's it just feels like very vintage Mm -hmm. because it's so primed for male fantasy it's like okay so you're really athletic so like you can really like be good at sex or something (laughs) but also your boobs are so big that you can't really actually do sports you know what I mean yeah yeah like you're you have like the the hardiness to hunt to gather all day long and like carry many children yeah um, no but it's very hard it's not soft at all like you know how the we talked about how the bbl body type is like fertility idol with Mm -hmm. like actual fat deposits all over the place I feel like Pamela Anderson's body just looks so hard but that's also like breast implants like but also I just think that was the vibe at the time it's like that one piece swimsuit like super toned legs and in like the American psycho uh, the American psycho universe they always call like hot women hard bodies 
And yeah, that was like she a thing. definitely represents this, even though that obviously came out of like the eighties and like eighties androgyny and aerobics and stuff like that. Also, the term washboard abs is very evocative. It's just like you can just mm. knock someone's abs, and it's like hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a door. I guess we've talked about this a couple times, but in different episodes, I think. But it used to be like a thing where it was like women like had abs like in the 2000s and they like weren't expected to have like a cinched in waist with the abs per se with like Mm -hmm. wider hips and I feel like obviously not to dissect her body but when I think of her in like a the red bathing suit it is very svelte besides the boobs like you said yeah no I think that I think that's like a top heavy thing though like Mm -hmm. it's like bodybuilders like I think that's why she is like the female version of Arnold Schwarzenegger in my head because they both have this like inverted triangle shape that's very like evocative like the shoulder to waist ratio just screams 80s to me it's also like the power suit silhouette um but then I was thinking in my mind like while I was watching this I was thinking about like all of the playboy playmates like Holly Madison Kendra Wilkinson and then like in the 2000s 2010s like Kate Upton Jessica Simpson Carl's Jr. commercials like the blonde tan blue-eyed big boobed girl like it made me so appreciative of how much more stylish aspirational images of women are today like even though they're still pretty unattainable like it, it is just a bit cooler and I think it's because like gay men are controlling images of women now instead of like actual that's men. true you know what I think is actually interesting about that though is I do think like the standard maybe on mass has changed but we also are experiencing kind of like a demographic echo chamber because I think when I think of the modern version of kind of like the Kate Upton Holly Madison Sports Illustrated thing I just think of like barstool women you know and how (laughs) barstool used to be like an account that just posted like all these like hot girls and it still kind of remains this kind of like machine that just kind of makes this type of thing go right viral and has kind of been like the last lifeline of this culture but it's still like super popular but like I do think maybe part of it is because demographics now are not like mass marketed towards or they're marketed towards in these like kind of funnels and you kind of exist in your own demographic echo chamber and so the only consumers of this like image of women happen to be men and women are like totally disconnected from that because they're not like consuming that type of content as regularly as men are and so women kind of have access to more uh tailored and appealing female feminine appealing images of their own femininity yeah this is true this is like do you guys know who alex earl is yeah (laughs) i guess she's kind of like the modern version of this but she has been selected by women but she like factually Mm -hmm. is like a girl who's blonde with fake boobs i think it's because she likes to do like get ready with me is where she's like ah i'm a mess yeah she does have that messy sorority girl thing yeah i feel like she would eat a hot dog sometimes it's true yeah i guess it's nice to tear back the curtain on someone like that and see that like she's always in a rush to get ready and like all of her makeup Mm -hmm. brushes are dirty and yeah i think she she's less threatening to like the feminine gaze because Mm -hmm. she like kind of is constantly she has a lot of like self-deprecating humor and does like do a house tour with me and it's just like a total mess and she hasn't like cleaned her sink in like months and i don't know there's just like Uber Eats rappers like everywhere, you know? <laughs> and so, you know, it, it is also like, I think women also tend to really uh, kind of lean towards ideals of like effortlessness, which Alex Earl really does have, you know, there's like, um, 
kind of like, I'm just like slapping on this highlighter on my nose really quick and going to do a get ready with me and then like walk out the house and like not care what people think about like me not washing my clothes for three weeks, you know? I don't know. (laughs) I feel like people actually like her because she shows how detailed becoming her is to a certain extent. Yeah. Like she has like such in-depth routines versus like doing a sped up get ready with me or a day in the I life. I feel like it's a combination of that and her like constant availability and the fact that she's like always yes. doing something because I think the content that's like get ready with me that I guess we were having before was either like professional makeup artists doing like really detailed technique not professionals but like you know actual beauty influencers who like want to be lauded for their technique um versus just like the practicality of like being a girl wearing makeup every day or the more like clean girl like get unready with me like skincare self-care type of thing which Alex Mm -hmm. does seem like self-destructive she's always like get ready with me to get drunk all day and then like go on a boat and then I'm gonna miss my flight and then I'm gonna be stuck in Cancun and then I have to go my boyfriend's baseball game (laughs) yeah she's always like it's 5 a.m I just got up I'm going to the club and getting wasted and it's like get ready with me and I'm like what like yeah I don't know how she feels good every day she's got to be on Adderall I think yeah. Yeah. No, I don't think, I don't think she feels good every day. I, I don't think there's a possible way that she does, but. When she's hungover, she's just wearing a cute outfit and she like has big sunglasses on. She's like. I feel like it's a cultivated image as well. You yeah. Know? Cause like, you know, she's making a ton of money from it. So. Right. Good, good on her. You know, I did kind of want to talk about Alexi, what you brought up in the documents about like the kind of power of positive thinking side right. of spiritual bimboism. Cause this is my personal like memory of of it kind of like my my mom I don't think she was a bimbo either but she she gave me like the secret right the book when I was <laughs> I said secret for teens like when I was like in um high school or middle school or something and she was definitely like very you know kind of like liberal semi-crunchy semi-not crunchy mom very much she's like a Montessori teacher like that's like that really sums it up and she's also very beautiful and model-esque and modeled like in her youth so like it is kind of like an archetype that I feel a little bit familiar with. And that was such a thing in media. And I want you to kind of explain a little bit of what you wrote down, Alexia, because I think uh, it's nostalgic to me. And For relevant. sure. Yeah, this was like the era that I'm really obsessed with. And I think it's like the perfect case study for spiritual bimboism was the popularity of the secret slash the law of attraction with moms in the 2000s. And just like maybe women in general. So the secret was kind of like a fusion of pseudoscience, pop psychology and self-help. It would reference quantum physics and it kind of just boiled down to like think positively slash be grateful. But then it would like cite ancient wisdom and it was kind of reductive of like all world religions by being like, if you really look like all world religions will tell you the same thing, which is that like our minds can control our life. I guess there's this like notion of positive thinking being ingrained into American national character. And I read this book about this which we'll link in the um description called bright-sided how the relentless promotion of positive thinking has undermined america which came out in 2009 and it's kind of funny because like it does seem like a huge hater move to write a whole book about how like positive thinking is like bad (laughs) but points were definitely made in terms of like optimism as delusion and the relationship of positive thinking to capitalism and how late capitalism or consumer capitalism is like really kind of thriving on everyone's delusion about you know if you think positively like your life will get better but I guess yeah what you're mentioning 
like positivity as an industry that started in the late 90s, which the author credits to the invention of the internet and how like information was spreading there. A ton of people just started becoming like unlicensed life coaches. There were a ton of like mass market motivational speakers and gurus. Oprah was really popping off and she would always have these guests on her show. And she describes these like groups or people as business casual cults. Like they had all this new age ideology, but it was often geared towards like careers and growth and like willing money into your life. But there was also just like a general interest in vibrations and energy and frequencies. And she calls it new age meets middle American business culture. Yeah. What do you guys think about this era of like weird business, spirituality, self-help? What I find really interesting about this is how much the circumstances that led to this mirror the modern circumstances that are leading to kind of like a reinvigoration of this culture that you see all this sort of like manifestation tiktoks you see i feel like that's one of the modern equivalents of the spiritual bimbo bimbo women that are like kind of doing these manifestation courses that teach you how to manifest a high value man into your life or something you know and what i think is interesting is what you wrote here about the protestant work ethic and the spirit of capitalism And um, this like power of positive thinking being a tonic for the very serious Calvinist negative, almost like Gnostic view of God, like God being this like evil guy that's going to punish you and just like selectively choose who's going to get into heaven and who's not. And like the only way that you can really worship him is through like work. And, you know, I think that's like interesting because in the 90s and the 2000s, I guess there was like the Gulf War, the Iraq War. The news is really popping off. There was all these moral discourses that were emerging on both political ends. People always talk about the 90s as the emergence of political correctness, quote unquote. And in the 90s, conservative culture was also in this sort of like era of moral panic, like satanic panic, super similar to the era we just experienced, which I think is kind of over. You know, there's kind of this like left leaning, almost Protestant willing of the public to self-reflect and kind of self-examine their own like moral purity, you know, whether or not you're problematic. And then there's also this moral panic on the right, which is like about like wokeness and stuff. And I think this oversimplified, no thoughts had empty type of approach of like, if you just like think positively, cut all that negativity out and think positively about the world and you'll get everything that you want is really emergent from like times when there's like a recession or a super collectivist like social justice cycle slash moral thing you know so I think it's interesting that those circumstances mirror what we're seeing now mm-hmm. especially the recession we're about to go through yeah we're in it <laughs> we're in recessive. it yeah it's true yeah. yeah I wanted to say also that when you look at like the history of I guess the bimbo archetype in Hollywood it kind of mirrors this a bit because like the bimbo died down a bit uh in the 80s partially as a result of like movements in the 60s and 70s towards like feminism and women's women's rights movements and stuff like that but then after like some dormancy in the 80s people were really exhausted of like this feminist guilt mongering and conscious searching this is from an article I'll link in the show notes but so then in the 90s, like bimbos began to reappear with a vengeance, being people like Pamela Anderson. Sam, I feel like you were kind of getting to a point about like some sort of exhaustion that people are feeling collectively. And it seems like people were also feeling that a bit 
in the 90s too yeah and what's funny is that the bimbo is rejected by both sides of like moral panic you know liberal political correct quote-unquote 90s thinkers kind of uh criticize the bimbo for being a misogynistic trope conservatives like the quote-unquote moral moral panic of the conservatives criticize the bimbo for being promiscuous and um degenerate you know and so she really kind of represented a new type of existence that was oversimplified, um, not necessarily concerned with issues of collective, like social questions, you know? Um, and I think that's something that we're seeing again now. Yeah. It's also interesting because there's been this huge movement. It started a couple of years ago, but to basically make like the bimbo a political vessel, specifically like a leftist political vessel. But I feel like that really didn't get anywhere. And now, like, this spiritual bimbo archetype is kind of, like, returning to its roots of the early 2000s versus trying to place, like, this ideal ideology onto onto it. Mm-hmm. I think that's really true. And and something about the bimbo also, especially with, like, the fashion and the style in the modern day, feels really easy to style and really easy to portray because you have so much reference to it. There's so many fast fashion or even... um secondhand retailers that will provide the bimbo outfit and it kind of removes the critical thinking from like getting dressed in the morning you know what I mean because you Mm -hmm. have like all of these like costumey elements so your outfit's always gonna slay or like look really good and it feels almost like a the comfort of a school uniform you know in the morning like you can put on this sort of bimbo costume and not think too hard and I see that a lot on TikTok Uh, I've seen it for the past couple of years, especially with that kind of like leftist re-examination of the bimbo is women in academia, especially being like, I like choose to be a bimbo because I'm tired and I don't like, I don't want to be thinking about these like grand social questions anymore. Like whatever, I'm just going to like improve my, my looks, which I think is, I think that's kind of tragic. Like I, I'm somebody that really maybe falls in line with, the belief in that like women can be like great academics and thinkers and and it does it is kind of tragic to me that that movement happened like I wanted more women in in academia writing like silly little papers but they were good like I don't know no, the thing is I, I think they're still doing that I think the both thing is just a costume also that really reminds me of like how movies like Clueless and also Legally Blonde start off with these really iconic getting ready sequences Mm-hmm. And I think maybe that's like I've just seen a ton of content on that that's like women recreating that type of thing. But it's like getting ready to smash the bourgeoisie or something. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> um yeah, that movement really is a huge flop to me because I think people have a hard time articulating like what the end goal is. I think a lot of a lot of it is like the vindicta type mentality where it's like we need to like take the male gaze and like take the patriarchy and benefit from it in the best ways we can which like I don't know I guess if it's like becoming the beauty standard just to like make your quality of life better that is a vibe I did do that but also you can't like try to say say that it's like a political reclamation like it's not like a political act to um wear makeup I don't think yeah like it's kind of just cope it's like just say that you like want to be hot because your life will get better not because it's like a huge fuck you to the patriarchy like and as we talked about in our beauty pseudoscience episode, it's like, that's a dangerous game that also has consequences that I feel like a lot of people maybe aren't discussing. Um, but again, like we have to just kind of realize that 
I, I respect like the choices that all these people want to do to like portray themselves aesthetically to the world, but intellectualizing that as much as we're like a podcast that intellectualizes aesthetics, like I feel like is maybe a lost cause. I think also this this movement was way too entrenched with like you said the hyperbolic Y2K style, mm-hmm. like the juicy tracksuit, the like lip gloss, the super long blonde hair belly button piercing, pink short, etc. So I guess as that's kind of cir- circled out of style, out of fashion, it's just they the two haven't been able to separate from each other. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, true. Because now right? it's like we haven't really seen like the sleazification of <laughs> the the new age. Bimbo sleaze. Bimbo sleaze. Yeah, I mean, I feel like bimbo sleaze is like Rachel Rabbit White. Yeah. Um, yeah. Annabolina yeah. st- style clothing, which I think is actually a bit cool. Yeah, that's I um, like that a little bit. I was also gonna say, you know the like ancient bimbo meme that's like the girl who is kind of dumpy and then she picks up a book and then she turns into a bimbo like over the course of the drawing. Yes. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yes. I think that you know that was like a a vibe shift for sure that was released, but also also it was drawn by like a fetish artist because bimbofication is like a fetish. This is like discourse that I kept seeing on TikTok when um girls were lip syncing to that song bimbo doll that honestly i find just so vile just like for personal reasons like it sounds bad and the lyrics go something like b-i-m-b-o i just want to be a stupid hoe like it's just like so the song is just cringe to me but i don't know there's this whole thing where it was like minors like stop making videos to the song like bimboism is a fetish and like you're just creating fetish content unknowingly which also i don't think is true but also i'm like people should be thinking about lip syncing things like that I don't know. yeah no i mean i think it, again it's like a critical thinking deficit or something because like the the moral panic is like it's you should really like steer clear of morally panicking as much as you can because it, it does kind of like stunt your critical thinking but it is like i i mean i remember like in like elementary school middle school and stuff when there was still sign up sort of some elements of y2k that sort of like really toxic culture being yeah I mean I I don't want to call it toxic either because it was just like being like funny and kind of edgy as a teenager right but it 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 does have sort of like a detriment to like interpersonal relationships which you start adopting like a mentality like that like you should be really careful about like the things that you consume and how they affect like your personality and behavior um I had to like experiences personally when I started rewatching Drag Race after like years and years (laughs) and years of not watching it and I started acting. So I'm going through that right <laughs> I now. I started acting like horribly. I was like acting, and I was like, "Wait, like actually, media does affect my behavior. I should stop watching this show because I'm acting like so dumb right now." And um, <laughs> not that like no, like you can y'all can watch it. It just had a bad effect on me personally, you know. I don't know. Yeah, I can't stop saying "child." That's my issue. These days. <laughs> Wait, you guys know that this is in the true. Chat. You have been saying that. A you lot. have, and <laughs> I did know that there is a sort a clear source. Yeah, it's unfortunate. One of my like mispronunciation because I have a tendency to mispronounce things. And one of my mispronunciation things is like when I read things and don't hear them, is like I always thought it was like woo chile, like and not child. Because <laughs> I just I don't know. <laughs> like no, I was every, like every oh, time chile. I see Chile on the map, I'm just like child. Yeah, see. <laughs> I have the opposite problem. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, that's funny that you brought up drag race because maybe this will resonate with our audience. There are these like twins on drag race this season who are like the first tiktok famous drag queens to like go on the show and they're super gen z and their whole sense of style is this like bimbo y2k clueless regina george 
like all the stuff that little gay boys love from that era and it's like super barbie core as well but they have this like bimbo character that they're always referencing and they talk in this really annoying voice and like trot everywhere and they're like little heels if you guys can imagine what that looks like (laughs) and I don't know it's just become very divisive because I think it's causing a rift in the gay community (laughs) because they literally like learned how to do makeup just to like make tiktoks whereas like all of these older queens are like outperforming in bars and shit I mean I feel like it's just like a transition like a this has been happening forever it seems like in drag culture it's always like the the old guard is always like in outrage and uproar like the new guard that's why drag races an important cultural document but yeah it is just funny to see like a two-dimensional character that like they created for tiktok skits Mm -hmm. becoming part of this show but also i think they both got eliminated because they're so annoying yeah (laughs) are they like like a that's hot vibe yes yeah exactly that oh i think also i feel like the the drag queens that are older lived through the 2000s the first go round Mm -hmm. yeah to a certain extent and so, like, it doesn't resonate with them in the same way, maybe. Yeah. And the the doll thing, I mean, like, trans girls are always referring to themselves as dolls. Mm-hmm. And also maybe gay guys sometimes. But, like, the whole thing with Sugar and Spice is that they're, like, we just wanted to become, like, the Bratz dolls that we played with when we were little gay boys together. And it's, like, okay, this is, like, a bit strange. Like, you are just, like... It always comes back. Know. It always comes back to the fucking Bratz dolls. Yeah. That's also enough already. Yeah. Chloe Cherry, Chloe Cherry's kind of inspiration for her her name Chloe and also her lips was the Bratz doll. Child, Chloe. the Bratz dolls are all to blame. Yeah. My mom <laughs> actually didn't let me play with them. She thought they were too slutty. And she was right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I would literally be dressing like a Y2K bimbo right now if I played with Bratz dolls. Yeah. yeah. As, well, even when I look at them as an adult, I feel like they're undressing me with their eyes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. They're very sultry. They're way too sultry for children's toys. But I was watching something. What was I watching? I don't remember what, but it was like, uh, it really affected like the Barbie market because it sort of changed entirely like the face of like fashion dolls or whatever because the Barbie was marketed after the Bratz were introduced. The Barbie was marketed as like a children's toy. And the Bratz mm. was marketed as, like, kind of, like, an older kid's toy, like, a preteen toy, you know? Because it had, like, more of a maturity, which I think... If we ever do, like, a Barbie yeah. episode, I feel like it might be interesting to look into the economics of that. But my scene was Barbie's reaction to that because they, like, wanted to create more urban and, like, youthful. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't know. My scene was so weird because it was, like, almost like an interpretation of Sex and the City style characters and lifestyle, but, like, via Barbie dolls. It was so shoe diva. That was shoe like, diva. they were always, like, it was really shoe diva. Mm-hmm. And it was also very, like, martinis and, like, clubbing. Yeah. But I was obsessed with them, personally. Me they too. were, like, actually very chic. They had, like, the mobile, like, website and stuff where you could watch, like, episodes of their life and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was, that was, that was a vibe. Vibe, Yeah. And they wore, like, big fur coats. It, it It's just, like, a color palette thing, too, maybe, because Barbie was always just so bright and, like, California sunny pink riding horses. I feel like Bratz, they had, like, their rock angel thing mm-hmm. and some Russian bimbo core outfits. Yeah, yeah. it's, like, frosted purple and mm-hmm. blue. Barbie movie, are we are we excited? Will we be yeah. purchasing tickets? Yeah. Will we be attending? <laughs> I feel like I feel like we're like obligated to like professionally yeah. to like watch that movie. We'll be attending for Hari Neff. I know. Oh, that's right. She's in it. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Uh, wait. I. It is like the, for context, listeners. It is the middle of the night for me. But Alexi, when you said that, I thought you meant like 
there was a new Barbie animated movie, like like Mirabella's Palace or something. Yeah. Oh my god. We we're all gonna go together. <laughs> no Barbie by Greta Gerwig. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I'll, I'll mother definitely go. Yeah, I'm intrigued by it. Well, also I love Margot Robbie. Yeah, I love Margot. We talk about her a lot these we days. We do, like, yeah. Us, us three ladies. Interesting character, interesting person. With a lot of lore, yeah. like secret lore. I think if Marilyn Monroe were still alive, she would aspire to that type of thing. Like, Margot Robbie is taken really seriously as an actress, but she's also, like, everyone knows she's hot, but we don't really, like, we don't even have to talk about it. True, true. I feel like uh, she almost, I mean, what I always thought about her is, like, she kind of, like, either luckily or unluckily missed that sort of window of blonde bombshell with blue eyes thing in the early 2000s and just, like, got um, skyrocketed immediately into kind of the, like, Oscar circuit of like wolf of wall street and all that sort of thing yeah her agent is slaying yeah once upon a time in hollywood her rise to fame was very fortuitous because wolf of wall street must have come out in like 2011 right Mm -hmm. so that was like Mm -hmm. close enough to like nascent feminist movements of the 2010s versus someone like scarlett johansson who was famous from such a young age that even though she like tried super super hard to be taken seriously as an actress as an actress and she is to a certain extent it just didn't she didn't have the right cultural moment for that true i mean i feel like she in her indie darling thing was cute but she could have definitely had more lost in translation her agent was just booking her anything left and right like why is she in that but then well i guess these were really far apart yeah she's in marvel now so sucks for her but also margot robbie was harley quinn that's right i feel like that's that's easy for me to remember or to forget yeah but i guess like harley quinn is like a way more psychological character (laughs) than black widow is so it makes her seem more deep yeah um because it's like wow this bitch is crazy um (laughs) do you guys think margot is a spiritual bimbo Mm -hmm. in any capacity because she's australian and australians tend to be on the spiritual bimbo bimbo spectrum i actually feel like she's kind of like a design coffee table book type person Mm, like low-key yeah i think she has like a lot of minimalist stuff she's more clean girl i think a little bit she's a bit of a clean girl type thing yeah she's addicted to not slaying as we know her (laughs) fashion choices so addicted to that it's like to be seen though because like everyone knows she's in this massive fashion transition right now oh yeah her chanel contract yeah she might be unlocking her spirituality after her Chanel contracts. Mm-hmm. She's she kind of, I think she'll be like Kate Blanchett, who is just a very well-respected Australian woman. <laughs> I thought Kate Blanchett was British. No, she's Aussie Aussie. Me? She's Aussie mother, yeah. Wow. Aussie mother. Oh, one thing I wanted to mention, which is like such a, like unrelated to this conversation that we're having is that, like, the most epic part of the Pamela Anderson documentary was, like, her Broadway hag transformation. That was, like, so epic and really cool. I've been really obsessed with kind of, like, this... I, hag seems like a, a word that I'm using to uh, kind of criticize or be mean to aging sex pops, but I just want everyone to know that I aspire to be this, like, so hard. But, like, I just thought it was really funny when she was, like... I didn't know what to do with my life. I didn't know where my career was going. And then suddenly Broadway called and she's just like in Chicago, the musical. And I thought it was very like Mae West, like Marilyn Monroe, old Hollywood of her to just go on Broadway and be a bimbo on stage. I thought that was very classical and historical of her. It felt like ancient, like she had like ancient ties to Broadway. 
I feel like her, she has almost an ancient storyline with her like marriage obsession because it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. marriage wasn't really cool in this time. <laughs> like people were just really promiscuous, but she was somehow promiscuous and getting married a ton. Yeah. And like getting married like two weeks after meeting someone. And then like it would be a disaster and everyone would be like, oops, girl, just try again, which is very like Elizabeth Taylor. Yeah. She might have been born in the wrong era, Pam, Pam Anderson, because like she really yeah. was kind of that like lost aspect of her career is maybe because like her career should have taken place sometime in like the 50s or 40s you know but I don't know that she couldn't have gotten those breast implants if she was born then so I guess like that wouldn't work but I think the Broadway stage is a beautiful place to age (laughs) like it really is such a great place for Hollywood actors to age and yeah I think it's where they can rediscover their love for like acting and performance and get in touch with you know, apart from the media, like mm-hmm. having that direct interface with an audience and getting like live reaction for your craft, I think it's it must probably, be really wonderful. It's probably like healing your inner child because mm-hmm. I think so many people oh, yeah. who are in Hollywood probably started out acting on like the local stage. So oh, that's get, so cute. I know, it's really cute. She did say like when she was like describing why she was doing Broadway and she like brought up a picture of her as a child and was like, I'm doing this for her. And like, so it is very healing your inner child that was exactly what her vibe was and also I feel like if she had just gotten into stage performance earlier her life wouldn't be wouldn't be as chaotic because I think she just has like a penchant for like theatricality and she should have just channeled that into like the most like over the top like musical that she possibly could and she wouldn't have like caused chaos in her personal life as much you know yeah, because her doing Baywatch, like, she didn't audition for it. She wasn't, like, seeking out being an actress. They kind of wrote that role for her, mm-hmm. allegedly. Yeah. And she says that um, she was, like, the character of C.J. Walker was... Wait, was it C.J. Walker? Yeah. I'm making that up. Her C.J. I just know it's C.J. C.J. Walker is, like, a figure in Black history. Black <laughs> Madam history C.J. Vibes. Walker. <laughs> <laughs> the character's name was C.J. something. It's funny. Yeah. Um... But she was like, yeah, they wrote her character to just, like, be kind of, like, a love-struck, hippie romantic Mm. that was based off of her, like, real-life persona. And so, like, CJ was always just like, I think I'm in love, like, with some fucking random guy from the beach. So, yeah, I don't think that really counted as acting. And I think she Mm -hmm. would agree with that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and she was also having, like, a lot of fun interpreting the character of Roxy. I feel like um I feel like I'm gonna come out in, in this episode as like a lover of theater. I don't like modern musicals. Stop. I'm like, no, this is in <laughs> Sam. It's in. I like. I think this is cool. I've had like such a theater phase in my life. Like Bob Fosse, I worship him. I worship all the Bob Fosse's mo- movies, all that jazz. Like this is my shit. Like I love it. <laughs> I'm I'm tired of it's hiding so it. It's so classic, like top hat and like leotard yeah. vibes. I do love it. Sam, um, I genuinely feel like your theater vibes. Are like very there because like you wear jazz shoes around. <laughs> That's true. Every day. It's true. And you also opened one episode by doing like oh god, a Godfather. That was so embarrassing. <laughs> Why did y'all let me do that? <laughs> but yeah, I was no, practicing was impressions cool. in my room. Like yeah. when we started, like when I was I doing. Feel like you were like you were like slapping yourself like a, like a method actor or something <laughs> if you didn't get it right. Yes, we should put on a Broadway musical. I I can't even. I need to shut my trap before I expose myself, but Sam, I'm I'm right there with you. Yeah, I know. I even I will say that some modern musicals are like they're good. I haven't watched any. Like I, I feel like I buried this like in like down the hatch, like just like six no. feet under. I didn't want anyone to know about this phase of my life, but 
Well, I loved Glee, and I'm kind of like a gay guy on the inside. I also loved <laughs> so I have Glee. To like a, you know. Yeah, I'm a big um, over-the-top theater Broadway fan. Um, but I, I long for like the glory days, like um, Don't Rain on My Parade or something. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's also in because of um, Leah Michelle being on Oh yeah, Funny Girl, oh, which is a musical about musicals and about Broadway. Some could argue that she is one of the ultimate bimbos of all time because she, she can't read. cannot read. <laughs> yeah, this is true. Brunette Ambition, her book famously, <laughs> which she did not read. Um, should we talk about... Should we talk about the fashion guys? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I... I'm just gonna go through this outfit I put together loosely, and you guys can chip in on like what you think the spiritual bimbo of the 2000s was wearing. Okay. okay. So I'm thinking for the bottoms. I think like a nice classic bedazzled jean looks great on this type of woman. Mm-hmm. Doesn't look good on most people. Looks good on her. Mm-hmm. I think as a top, we see a lot of like a plain ribbed tank top. With like the rock hard implants as part of that mm-hmm. whole moment. Mm-hmm. Then I feel like there's either a French tip or there's like a special manicure. So like kind of like a decorated nail or some like glitter aspect or like a flower or something. There's some extra twist. It's not just like new. Yeah, I think like a butter mm-hmm. a butterfly, like a butterfly decal on your nails would be it. You know, like a pink little yes. butterfly. You know, something special. And then I think for shoes, I do think the spiritual bimbo really liked flip-flops. So whether that's like a wedge sandal or like a wedge flip-flop of some capacity. And then the last detail I've noted here is that I feel like there's a lot of jangly kind of arm candy, like bangles. Yeah, I was thinking about like uh, anklets toe rings stomach necklaces like decorating your body like it's a christmas tree or like foot henna foot henna is definitely like a thing that i miss from these days a statement necklace that's right in the middle of the implants is definitely necessary yeah yeah yes and having like a very kind of like leathery chest yeah leathery yeah no not a drop of spf in sight (laughs) no 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 pam had beautiful freckles but i think she also had um sun damage yeah she did she spent so much time on the beach she's so she's so pale now Mm -hmm. yeah i like that she went she went makeup list for this which i thought was really cute um oh yeah i definitely want to talk about her beauty vibe like her i can't tell if it's like a chicken or egg thing but her like face is very trending. <laughs> the super thin arched eyebrows. She has kind of like bedroom eyes. The big lips, of course. The high cheekbones. It's kind of giving like Arca <laughs> and like yeah. Gabrielle. Yes, I would talk about that because I was like, what is the difference between the spiritual bimbo and like the dark succubus of now? Because they feel like they're opposites in a way, but they have some core features in common, like you said, like the the super plucked eyebrows and the overall sculpted face. But they just feel different to me. Like they're they're enemies. You know what I think it is? Because you brought up um in your notes, you, you brought up Angelina Jolie as kind of like this like dark succubus vibe, this dark vamp, I guess. And I think it depends on like what what type of like Eastern spirituality they appropriate. Cause I feel like the spiritual bimbo a la Pam appropriates like very like Southeast Asian spirituality, like yoga and like um 
Hinduism and then Angelina Jolie types appropriate Eastern spirituality, like Buddhism. And they have like dragon tattoos and I don't know, like incense in different ways. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know if that's like problematic to say, but that's where I think like the difference (laughs) lies. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I think, I think the dark succubus, I think they're looking to get into more deranged shit. You know, they want to go to the rave. They want to go to the bloodletting ritual. They want to go to the Berlin sex party. But the spiritual bimbo is trying to get away from that stuff. I mean, she's like a refugee of debauchery and the dark things that the world wants to do to her. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what's happening. such a good point. Because if we look at the two faces of the dark succubus, we have... Gabrielle, who's often called like the OG, but she, as some are learning, used to kind of have more of like a slight tender queer vibe. She also used to look like Kaya Gerber. Yeah, with like heavy eyebrows. I don't know. Tender queer is not the right vibe. Just something a bit more like mushroomy and mm-hmm. um yeah, a bit more colorful. Mm-hmm. And yeah, have thick eyebrows and a much fuller face. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the other campaign competitor in this this league who is Amelia Gray who is Lisa Rina's daughter so obviously she is not really trying she's going towards the debauchery rather than hightailing it out of there oh Amelia Gray is the one that used to look like Kaya Gerber sorry I got them mixed up it's easy it's really easy to do like they both used to have really thick full eyebrows so wait Gabrielle used to be so whack what okay whack is a strong word you can't um, find sorry. any like before pictures but she was giving like deep pop monster like yeah that's what i was trying to say like tinder queer like i didn't know how yeah to no i it. think you're you're kind of right because she also was like in a band as well which i think was a bit more feministy or something um she was definitely more punk she had kind of i don't know she went from like normal punk to like hot she gave kind hot. of like kelly, Damn, her face really switched up she gave kind of like kelly osborne a little bit like before oh i'm sorry i think that's the haircut yeah, yeah it's the haircut i, I also think the she styling. didn't have the, the buckle fat removed yet mm-hmm. or something it was giving a little kelly osborne but okay so that's like actually interesting because it is like um i think differences in background or something like is in terms of like the angelina pamela duo i think Pamela comes from like a really rough kind of background of poverty and domestic violence, small town, um, kind of living in what she described as shack. Her mom was like a waitress. Her dad was like a scammer. I don't remember. He was had like a top hat and that like made him a scammer is how she described it. But <laughs> and then Angelina Jolie obviously comes from like John Voight, like that like celebrity background type thing. She's not running away from the chaos because, like, her home was probably more stable than Pamela's, you know? So she's running towards it to kind of disrupt her, like, early childhood stability, maybe. But I'm not going to speak on her childhood because I actually don't know that much about it. But I think she had a somewhat troubled childhood, but in a different way than having, like, a scammer dad. Yeah. And I think Pamela's was, she was also very sheltered and very, like, isolated. Like, she lived on Vancouver Island and her mom was always, like, don't go to the mainland you're gonna get shot yeah. So, <laughs> yeah it was very much like on the fringes of things she is kind of a folk hero of sorts yeah 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 and i guess also just the by virtue of being like canadian versus growing up 
in the like greater Los Angeles area as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like also I feel like it gives a little like Norse mythology or something. Like she just spawned from like a snowy, isolated island in the northern part of the world. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What? How Love old was she though. when she got spotted at the 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 game? She must have been eighteen. I don't remember what she she was young though. She had, she, was she had graduated legal. high school. I think she was legal, yeah. Because she... Okay, okay. She would happen... The story went that she would go... Yeah, she went to that game. Yeah. You got that right. She went to, like, a hockey game. And she became, like, Miss whatever It was hockey. a football game. A Canadian football game. No, it was hockey. I'm pretty That's sure. True. No, it wasn't. It was BC Lions. Oh. Really? Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, I just know that it's a Canadian beard that I've never had. Because I feel like it's quite Canadian. But spotted her wearing their mm. shirt we should have a, the next kickback one thing i wanted to mention and this is kind of unrelated to the bimboism but it's more related to the spiritualism thing and it's more just like a thought that kind of intrusively occurred to me in the process of creating these notes but like with the like abundance gospel type like spiritualism kind of manifestation shit it does feel like some somewhat and t- call me crazy or tell me if I'm wrong, but it feels like somewhat related to like the economic circumstances of the modern day. Cause like this like cyclical recession stuff, the government just like continuing to print money and defying economic logic and the national national de- deficit continuing to rise. It does give like abundance go- gospel. Like it's kind of like the uni- <laughs> the universe is infinitely ab- abundant and the national treasury is also infinitely abundant. Like inflation of the soul. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's interesting. No, abundance mindset is like a big part of this. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. I we should do another episode on this because it's something that I really want to talk about, but it's like I feel like we'll, we'll get too off track, like I just did. But you should read the secret and make vision boards. <laughs> oh, yes. I, I was thinking about recently how like Actually, someone in the Discord posted whose vision board was that? It's Big Sean. Yeah, Big, <laughs> Big Sean's vision board. But like, there, there is like a big problem with vision boards where people try to make them with the magazines they have on hand, and it's just like really busted images. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how to fix this, except more people need to have like a stack of archival magazines that they're willing to chop up. I think they people oh, need no. to people need to get a printer. Is like the first. Thing. Step yeah, to making put a, your shit out. Yeah. Or make it on make it on arena. <laughs> make it make it a vision board on arena, yeah. I just feel like they do like for clear skin or something, it's like someone from like a Neutrogena ad or something. Yeah, you gotta be you <laughs> you gotta be careful with that because it's like you don't know yeah. like the vision board's like not gonna understand your board. Or they like print out like a stack of or cut out like a stack of money from like a Forbes magazine or something. Yeah, it's all very like doctor's like, office magazines. Yes. You gotta really start buying some old copies of ID or something mm-hmm. or AD Architectural Digest. Mm-hmm. You can get more specific with the type of life you want. But yeah, it is like mm-hmm. a picture. Like you could basically put an emoji of a house on there and be like, "I want to like live in a big house." Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. our advice: is like be specific with your vision boards. Also, the, <laughs> I was, there. I think it, I don't know if this is officially the secret. If we're or if it's one of the other mumbo jumbo books, but <laughs> they advise cutting a dollar into four pieces and sticking them in the corners to like will money into your life. Just like something about the childishness of the belief of like magnetism. 
that's giving the and like energy. the snow like the snow dance or like flushing down ice cubes down the toilet for snow to, to have snow <laughs> yeah, yeah no they do that with like um like they split open like pecans or something in texas and if there's like a spoon that means it's gonna snow because you have to like shovel it Mm. Well, it's giving Groundhog Day. Yeah, it's so Groundhog Day. <laughs> You're right, but I actually like kind of think those things slay a little bit because it's just like so funny. Yeah. I mean, you were the one who told me not to wash my clothes on New Year's Day. Oh yeah, I did. I actually do. I'm a little bit superstitious. Um, yeah, maybe no, superstition is good if it's like passed down from your mom. You're not reading a book about <laughs> yeah, like true. cutting a dollar into four. Like obviously, if you're reading The Secret, you need every dollar you can get. I know. Shouldn't be cutting them up. It's true. Also, my. I think my first exposure to the secret, honestly, my mom had it around the house, so I didn't really get what it was. And also, there's a lot of writing about this. It came out around the same time as the Da Vinci Code, and they had like the same cover. Oh, yeah. you're so right. Of that like they Constitution did. ass text. They did. Um, they had like the stamp. Yeah. Yeah. So it's we like were definitely patina. addicted to it, like ancient wisdom at that point in time, <laughs> either through fiction or through nonfiction. That's true. National but, Treasure was also like popping up. Yeah. Then. Also, I thought that the Da Vinci Code was real <laughs> when I was a kid. I thought that it was a documentary, which it apparently wasn't. I think I also did too, because I think they tried they tried to make it like a little bit like blurring the world. Yeah, I mean Da Vinci is real. Yeah, he is real, <laughs> and he had he definitely had codes. Like he was really smart. Yeah, and he you could do some like X rays on his art and see yeah. Well, I think that's like the art is more like trans, like. Um, like subtext because it's like men and women. Yeah, one of them was originally a, a woman or something. Yeah, that's a real the, the real Da Vinci Code. Code when I when I was little, my church like went to go protest the Da Vinci Code, um, <gasps> at like the movie theater. Um, my mom didn't really buy into like nut job stuff like that though. She was just kind of like, let's go to church for like normal things and not to protest like random movies and like the Chronicles of Narnia too. Everyone like hated that. Oh yeah, I remember my crazy aunt going really crazy over that. Yeah. <laughs> Not to call her crazy, but that was crazy <laughs> for her. Wait, we should talk about bimbo Christianity next. But I was just gonna say that one of the iconic representations of the secret in media and culture is um it's one of the opening scenes of the bling ring. Uh Alexis Nyers, that's her name, right? Yeah. I need to know this is Alexis Nyers. Oh yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah um yeah they are being homeschooled of course in like traditional la fashion yes. and their mom is making them do like a vision board for school homework yeah and they also literally skulk around in their juicy tracksuits and they read from the secret yeah. yeah yeah it's all it's all very much like an la archetype like i feel like people are always making fun of people from la for being like really vapid and like bimbo-ish and also at the same time like having the hypocrisy of like being really obsessed with the metaphysical realm and like spirituality so everyone from la must identify with the spiritual bimbo cause or at least like people who are like that i don't know but it is such like a bimbo-esque like thing to do you know it's just like not even because that's what i was thinking too with the um non-denominational christianity bimboism and then also like the abstract spiritualism is that like it's a it's like a type of spirituality that requires like absolutely no rigorous study. Like all you do is just kind of like repeat quippy mantras and aphorisms and stuff without understanding like any of like the cultural or like historical or philosophical implications behind anything that you're saying. 
it doesn't take any introspection because a lot of it is just like I am enough yeah <laughs> I deserve this and it's like okay do we all deserve this like the, the erasure of shame like just telling people that I don't know there's nothing yeah there's like some of. serious like logical issues with a lot of this stuff like you can't like you know it just takes like two seconds of thinking about it and being like there this is like something that doesn't make sense about this you know but it is very bimbo-y is it's like what my point was with that I mean the secret basically claims to be spark notes of every world religion from the beginning of time to now and summarizing it in like think good cool. thoughts yeah, yeah i remember reading <laughs> like i don't know i think my mom gave it to me because i think it was like a grumpy preteen that was like on tumblr and looking at like you know that like a uh, on tumblr it was like really popular to be just like the bitchiest teenager possible and i think my my mom yeah, was, like, my mom was like just think positively it just like gave me the book without re- she didn't read it but she just thought it would like make me better but she cared. Yeah. I, I will have to say that they were really into gratitude, which yes. I think is always good. This I believe in. Yeah, I think why why are you gonna like receive anything new if like you're not grateful for what you already have? You know, exactly. That's yeah, beautiful. like I really do believe that. Like you should just be you should be grateful for the people around you in your life, it's, and not even mm-hmm. on some manifestation shit. Like it just is like good for your mood and like general life. And if you're in a good mood you will actually be more productive. So there is something to the positivity thing, but... Yeah, but it doesn't have anything to do with, like, quantum physics and, like, opening up a portal. No, it doesn't. Um, it's just about, like, mental wait, health. <laughs> like, for, th- for the sake of Sleepy Biz, we should wrap up soon, probably. And um, I was going to say that we need to talk about Pamela Anderson and her obsession with PETA. Oh, fuck, yeah, we should. Which we haven't gone to yet. So my... I'm like, okay, bimbos and himbos love animals so much. Arnold Schwarzenegger who is arguably the male equivalent of Pamela, is also a champion of veganism these days. And you would think that, like, the PETA campaigns with Pamela Anderson, they were really iconic. The one of her in Times Square where she's, like, covering her boobs and vagina with, like, lettuce leaves, and then it says, like, turn over a new leaf and become vegan. Like, that is cool because I think... Yeah, vegetarian. Because PETA, I think, had a very, like, unsexy reputation... And people probably thought that, like, vegans were crazy. And, I mean, PETA is still, like, full of insane people, like, militant uh, freaks. But, no, we love veganism, but, like, they, as an organization, were just kind of weird. But I think they, like, wanted to make veganism and their cause sexier. But I think it further ostracized Pamela Anderson because it made people think that she was just kind of, like, a nut job who, like, was almost the victim of this agenda and then, like, wanted to spread it herself. But she also has a ton of other causes, so I, I don't want to reduce her down to that, but that is, like, a big thing that she's famous yeah. for. Yeah, uh, I think uh, animal rights is almost, like, the easiest kind of social cause to get behind, too, you know? Like, I think it's just, like, kind of obvious that we're... Just the abuse of animals is so, like, rampant and, like, obscene in our culture that it's pretty easy to kind of convince people to be, like, maybe we shouldn't, like, be putting, like, cows in slaughterhouses and, like, I don't know, like, That's testing... That's also a bit naive. Like, I feel like it doesn't... It doesn't have the geopolitical reach. It's a bit naive, but and it's also really easy to impress upon people. And I don't want to say like inconvenience people. It it requires a big lifestyle change that you have to constantly remind others of. That's I think so true. Maybe that's why people get into it. They're like, I want to show that I. Well, no, it's like other reasons. But I remember as a kid being obsessed with animal rights because I was just like. Maybe that was just the era, but I was really concerned about animal abuse, but I kind of grew out of it because I was like, okay, like, I'm hungies. Do you know what I mean? 
maybe I'm the naive one. Who knows? Well, I feel like also with Pamela because she her proclaiming anything to do with like what she eats is gonna have like a different meaning because she's so well known for her like very sculpted and trim body. So I feel like that also made it something people could kind of make fun of from a different angle or like view negatively because it's almost like if like Bella Hadid Bella Hadid did the same campaign today, people would be like this is bad for society because she's like posing with lettuce. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Also like, I think that you're right about that. And also I think like the time and place that like Pam started, Pam, I'm like, (laughs) Pamela started, um, I guess performing activism and stuff. It was just a time where like celebrities were maybe not as like politically active as they are today. Now it feels like every single celebrity is it's part of their like marketing to, to take like a political stance and like choose a cause, you know, but back then it wasn't as common. And so she could actually yeah. affect real change. Like whenever she like randomly wrote Vladimir Putin to like stop the export of seals and she like single-handedly like brought down like the seal market in Canada or something like that. Yeah pretty major yeah that was like cool because that was also the time where we had like real stars and like vladimir putin knew who pamela anderson was and was like big-breasted american woman <laughs> like yes <laughs> just stop the seal like i don't know like but yeah that is true yeah. yeah but it's also it was also the time when people were like really critical of liberal hollywood and they're like mm. tofu eating ways that's true so, it's true she was the perfect like um i hate to frame it this way but she what she does feel a little bit like a tofu bimbo yeah, tofu bimbo. Oh, love that. Whoa. But she yeah. wasn't, I don't think she was like an almond mom. Like, I don't think she was restrictive. And she never, there was nothing about her like working out. I think she kind of was just blessed and it like is a part of her folk hero mm-hmm. tale. Like, it kind of seemed like she treated her body like trash. Yeah. Um, But that's not something that celebrities would ever admit to today just because of the culture that we live in that's so like self-care obsessed. And I think we would be annoyed if someone who had money wasn't healthy inside and out i don't know but also <laughs> she was famously bad with money which i think is very cool she was like i just kept hoping my credit card was working <laughs> that was really epic yeah i think she just um like so many aspects i mean she really taught me a lot or just kind of uh rehashed certain ideas about bimboism in my brain that that are there's like advantages to this but again disadvantages and i also think it's not like a thing it's not something that you adopt it's something that you're born as a little bit that's kind of like what I felt with Pam it's like all these people in the modern day are trying to be bimbofy themselves and like there is no such thing as bimbofication it's either like born a bimbo or like I don't know no I kind of think that makes sense it it, like I do see a lot of people on TikTok like trying to do the bimbofication thing and it's really not working for them but I would say yeah I mean like the thing that I was surprised about with Pamela Anderson she was such like a caricature and culture like a caricature of herself but even back in the day like all of her interviews were so witty and she never seemed stupid mm-hmm. yeah and she's really smart really yeah it is just like the visual like she was always very like lucid mm-hmm. but maybe i was just getting her mixed up with like anna nicole smith because they were both kind of around he was actually like actually taken advantage of there's a great quote from this article called the anatomy of a bimbo which i'll link but It says, being a bimbo today requires some fancy psychological sleight of hand for any woman vaguely aware of the hard-won progress of her gender, but the rewards are tangible and plentiful. (laughs) 
little sleight of hand for sure. This is kind of what I really wanted to emphasize. I hope that it, that doesn't sound misogynistic, what I said at the beginning, which it is like, I think that like naivete, like bimbo-fied weaponized incompetence of um, the bimbo thing is like a psychological sleight of hand and also like the sexuality, you know? And I don't think, I say that like totally neutrally. I also think it, there's like various factors to it. It's probably just kind of like a result of like a really traumatic like life experience or just like various difficulties in trying to survive, which like do what you can to survive. But I also think like some sometimes it's it's pretty advantageous to kind of use those powers upon the world. The po- the the politics of itself are complicated with it. Well, is there anything else you guys wanted to wrap up? I think I'm I'm done. Except I wanted to say yeah. that I think Addison Ray and her boyfriend i think they're trying to be like pam and tommy yeah there's a lot of a lot of girls like this but addison is too good girl but yeah it's a whole rock star girlfriend thing mm-hmm. but yeah i will not speak on it let's uh should we skip would you rather's for the sake of business sleep schedule um or do y'all oh, would you rather record for longer or is that business <laughs> sleep? That's, would you rather oh for my today? God. we're gonna leave it up to the audience <laughs> <laughs> it's a choose your own adventure we'll ha- yeah we'll have to stay on the line until we upload this this recording <laughs> yeah it becomes a live stream i guess on that note i will get my beauty rest which is what pamela would want me to do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. subscribe to our patreon guys um this is a new phase in the nymphed alumni um collective project a uh, institute of fashion culture and and developing thought. developing thought that's what yeah. it is yeah <laughs> go ahead and subscribe if you would like Smash that big red <laughs> patreon button and thank you so very much to anyone who has patronized us Seriously. so far like it really was such an epic launch like mm-hmm. i very this is like our secret um time where i'm like you know, I'm grateful for all the subscribers that we have, but I'm I'm willing more into the world as my manifestation and positive thinking. But yeah, we're very happy and we have so much to share and more episode ideas because we're so inspired by our beautiful Discord community mm-hmm. of enlightened thinkers. For Truly sure. enlightened. Bravo, you guys. You guys are so smart and really, really sweet. Like, I just love um, the positive vibes in there. Yeah. The positive <laughs> the vibrations and energy exactly. and frequencies that are associated with our discord it's a hybrid vibrational discord yeah yeah i agree and thanks again to brianna or brianna not sure which way you pronounce it um for suggesting we tackle the bimbo in some which way this is a really fun episode it was yeah, yeah, that was. yeah. okay right, good night well, everyone bye, bye. Night, night.